0: hey family welcome to the catalyst for change leadership podcast where we help leaders lead better i'm your host zach pruitt and just so excited that you are joining us today so let's dive in well welcome back to another episode and i am so excited to welcome Amar vitel with us today to the podcast uh Amard, how are you doing today
1: i'm well thank you for having me on
0: Absolutely, I'm excited to have you on today. So, before we get started, just kind of take the opportunity and tell the listener a little bit about who you are, what you do, all of that fun stuff.
1: Oh man, it's uh, that list can be a long way. You know, you look at somebody's <laughs> resume and it's, it's a whole lot of things. But I like to, I like to focus on the fact that I'm just, I'm just a young man from a small town, New Caney, Texas, who grew up with a dream and a pen in his hand. Um, at the core, I'm a writer, obviously. Mental performance coaching, speaker, author, um, I write curriculum and all these different things. But at, at the end of the day, I'm just a guy who who loves to be able to express myself through through the mighty pen. And uh, I've obviously done that my whole life. Wrote my first book at 11. Uh, started working for newspapers at the age of 14. I was the editor of my school newspaper. Majored in journalism in college. You know, picked up photography along the way. Uh, I started a company with that as well came out of school and worked for a community newspaper covering news and sports for uh, a couple of suburbs in uh, Northwest Houston. And that's really the start of everything, man. That's where the, you know, the, the, the sports reporting came from. Mm. All of it just kind of trickled, trickled down into what I've become today and it was always little stepping stones, but the base of it is that I'm a writer. And at, at the core of the writing that led to, you know, me getting into a lot of different organizations. That's when the Fox Sports stuff came about, the Scout.com, Rivals, and other things when I was doing college football recruiting. Um, And over time, you know, you just sort of build up, and things just step on step of step. And the next thing you know, you know, my religious (laughs) background goes in and out, you know, Mm -hmm. Baptist, Catholicism, and all of these different Mm -hmm. things. So then it just, you just have a whirlwind of different things you get involved with it leads you to where you are now, but it all started with just being a young man with a pen in his hand,
0: wow, wow, that's so cool. So I know you um you know you said you spent some time in sports writing. Um and I think at, probably through that, you came came right at the time where you were studying kind of the performance habits of some of those high performing athletes that you were following at that time. what was what was that like? Like, did all of that occur while you were in sports writing?
1: So I was obviously working for, I was doing sports writing and then I got into college football recruiting, which meant I was covering the process from young men coming out of high school, going into college and the colleges pursuing said uh, high school athletes. And so I got to see a lot of top guys, many of which are in, you know, played in the NFL or still in the NFL. And it was just, it was interesting seeing guys play at the highest levels because Mm -hmm. these are guys who, you know. Are, are the best at what they do even at the high school level you got to think you know I think the numbers what seven percent come from high school and make it to college football wow and of course the numbers even smaller than that going into the pros it's sure you know fraction of it's a small very small percentage but it was just beautiful to be able to connect connect with them and of course so during that time I was doing pretty well for myself I was working for you know I was working for you know scout.com or whatever but at the same time I connected with particular schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I was writing for uh, Sooners Illustrated, which is the magazine and a website connected to the University of Oklahoma. And I was doing things with uh, Louisville. I was doing things with Oklahoma State. I was doing things with Iowa. And of course, I was working with a lot of the schools out here in the South because me living in Texas, obviously, I'm a, I am live in a hotbed where every college coach wants to get athletes from here. That's just <laughs> what it sure. is. I mean, there's, there's there's primary states where that comes. Obviously, you have Texas, you have Florida, you have California. And then, of course, Louisiana and Georgia. But mm-hmm. definitely, definitely the South produces a lot of the, mm-hmm. the nation's uh, athletes. But over time, I, I, I had some, some personal issues going on and had some meltdowns and hired mentors, gotten the word a little bit stronger. And so I remember the time when I decided that I wanted to write something. But at the time, I was going through spiritual and personal development while also being a jock who still mm-hmm. loves sports. And so I wanted to find a way to be able to merge those two. And that's where Awaken the Baller Within was born because I basically did what Napoleon Hill did with Thinking Grow Rich and made Awaken the Baller Within. Instead mm-hmm. of just interviewing entrepreneurs, business people, and innovators, I interviewed high-end athletes and wanted to know what the mindset was behind their success because we know that there's a mental component. Um, talent is not enough. You know, yeah. Talent takes you only a certain amount a certain amount of the way but you will not have sustainable success without having the mental components and we see that all the time you know maybe yeah. we don't know what we're looking at but by me working with these guys for so long it's like you can almost sort of see the signs of what of a guy who probably is on the verge of not making it mm-hmm. just by his actions and some of the things they're saying and some of their work ethic and hearing what the coaches say about them
0: wow wow so you spent that time um more as a recruiter you know, really looking at the performance habits of high-performing athletes, and at that point, you were you were, you know you were acting on the position of a recruiter. But as you were looking at that, I'm sure there's probably so much that you learned about these individuals. What makes a high-performing you know athlete? What were some of the things that you learned during that season?
1: You know i I, I will focus more on the guys who I, cause you can, you can sift them out into multiple categories. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, you got the high performers, maybe okay character, but the guys I used for Awaken the Baller Within were all very high character men. Like if I had to, actually, I don't have to guess. I'd say 95% of the men I interviewed for Awaken the Baller Within are family men right now. Mm. They They have a full, they have a full nuclear family, wife and children, mm-hmm. right? And and they're builders, right? And, and what I mean by that is they're they're high in servitude, extremely high in servitude. servant mm-hmm. leaders are what these guys were. You no, know, whether you're talking about Russell Shepard, John Geoffrey, Andre Dean, these guys are high, high. Casey Carrier, these guys are high character men, right? And mm-hmm. and and they built and they built things, and so they have a they have a, a very strong sense of altruism, right? They they always were doing what was good for the, for others more so than themselves. And you got to remember, these guys were high-end athletes. These yeah. guys were yeah. top 50, top 100 in the country, top 50 in the state. These are these are guys who have every right to just be like, you know I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. But they always made sure to rise the boats of others and bring them to a new level. And I watched these guys do mm-hmm. that. You know, the Andrew Luck types, the highly intellectual guys who who rarely took credit for themselves. Yeah, they were always distributing the love elsewhere, and I I love the idea of that leading by example. Like these guys, that was one of the beautiful things I learned about them, and it, it, and I have to say, at that time, it gave me a lot more hope for the future as well, because I'm like, okay, if these young men are getting it, like now they'll pass that on to a generation behind them, and and it's good to see that we're working towards something along those lines, because we can tell about today's society. We need more of that. Yeah. We need more, we need mm-hmm. more building. We yeah. need more. It's not about me. We need less YOLO and more delayed gratification,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: more, you know, fighting through and, and doing these things instead of entitlement. And mm-hmm. these guys represented a lot of those things. And I'm I'm grateful for that because I've been able to look at that and say, okay, this, this is a life blueprint. Yeah. This is bigger than football. And that's what oh. a lot of people were saying about awakening the ball within is because. This is not a football book. I was like, no, football is just a metaphor for life here. This is bigger than football. The the game has always been bigger than sports. Sports is simply entertainment. But it can be used, the principles it takes to be successful there can be used Mm -hmm. in the boardrooms, can be used in the classroom, can be used in, in corporate America, can be used in nonprofits, can be used in small businesses. And so that was one of the things that I had learned from these young men at that time, And even following up with some of them, like Russell Shepard endorsed my new book, Mm. right? Because he's still doing the work. I still talk to John Goffrey. I still talk to Andre Dean. I still connect with these guys because they're grown men now, and they're doing great and amazing things.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. So, and you've you've already kind of talked about your book, "Awaken the Baller Within," um, a little bit, but this book in particular has been used in you know a dozen or so universities. 50-something athletic programs and summer camps. Talk a little bit more about what that book is, why you wrote it, what inspired you to write it, and what are some things that you really found through that process of interviewing some of these guys?
1: So that book was written as a way to be able to teach someone and understand the mentality to be successful and be great. Mm. Not just riding on just mere skills. What is the the mindset behind it? Like, what is what is the bigger picture behind the work I'm doing? Does it have a purpose to it, right? I know people just look at you know football players, or they just run out there and do. No, they're they can be inspiring. They can have a ministry within this, mm-hmm. right? And I always settle on the three things that that are 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 key from awakening the baller within, and it is dream building, goal setting, and a relentless pursuit of both of those things. Mm. So. The dream, obviously, this is the, the kind of overarching, like, what do I see for my life type of scenario? Like, if you could, you know, Thanos snap or rub a genie lamp or something and say, if I could create the ideal life, what is that?
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: what the dream is. Like, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, what? where do I see my life? And of course, the goal setting is, what are the incremental steps to be able to do that? What do I do today? To where I'm on the path to reaching that. Now remember, we're talking about football players here, but again, this is bigger than football. Yeah. And so I wanted to write it that way to where, because I came up in the '90s, I wanted to sort of look at something to get the dumb jock mindset out of there. Mm-hmm. Because these, because there are some football players, there's some athletes who are doing some great and amazing things. You know, who are who are building things. There's major entrepreneurs coming out of of of, of those
0: mm-hmm. of these
1: sports leagues or whatever. And so that was that was my thing. And just looking at interviewing these guys and what they think about leadership. And, and I learned that these guys are servant leaders, mm-hmm. right. And, and I had to learn that. Cause I mean, I think I was what I was late twenties, early thirties when I wrote this and I was shocked. And, and I, and I have to give credit where credit is due. And I've mentioned his name several times, mm-hmm. but Russell Shepard is the reason why Awaken the Bottle Within exists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I went to interview him the the Christmas when he came home after his first, he was a true freshman at LSU when he came home. And I sent him a message and I said, hey, man, I got a project I'm working on and I want to talk to you about it. He's like, hey, man, come on through. And I remember interviewing him upstairs at his house while his parents were having a fish fry downstairs. And we went through these questions and I'm asking him, you know, when you think of leadership, when you think of uh, integrity, when you think of this, when you think of that, his responses were so amazing. I was like... I think I should do this 99 more times. Hmm. And so I started just calling up guys who I had a connection with and was just like, put the pocket recorder in front of them and like, let's talk. And I, I remembered all of them. And I think recently I found those notes. My goodness, I'm going to maybe release those tapes at one point in time, you know, with their consent, because it was, it was such rich knowledge. And these guys were like, you know, early twenties, like late teenagers. And and I learned that, that these guys realized that the game is bigger
0: it's mm-hmm.
1: scoring touchdowns. The game is bigger than just the roars from the crowd. You know these guys. None of these guys were really "look at me" type guys when they had every right to want to be that. These guys were amazing. Again, these were the top of the line guys. Yeah. But they never showed their opponent up. They never bragged and boasted about what they are. They were confident in what they were, but it never was just like at the expense of others. And I have to go back to the altruism because they were always trying to raise the boats of those around around Mm -hmm. them. One of my guys is still in the league right now. His name is Michael Thomas. He plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. He played in the Super Bowl recently, right? He was a quarterback in high school, a dual-threat quarterback. But he went to Stanford as a defensive back, meaning his position as a defensive back obviously was an ideal position for him but he played a different position in high school because that's what the team needed for him. Cause he was the, he was the best athlete on that team. Mm-hmm. So we need you with the ball in your hand all the time. He was willing to do that, even though his next level or where he was going to go was going to take him to another place, but he was willing to step into that place and do that for the team. So the team can win. It wasn't about him. And those are many of the lessons that I had learned dealing with these, athletes, and I'm grateful for that knowledge because now it, you realize this is, this is life lessons and it was learned through sports.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So at some point you also started a coaching program. Now, where did that coaching program, you know, what point, I guess, in the timeline, did that come from? Was that kind of almost a result from, um, from Awaken the Baller Within that once you've, Found, you know, you 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 discovered all this. You, is that kind of where the coaching program came from? Like, where did that come into play at
1: So, so that does that plays a big role in it. um The, the stuff I did with Awaken the Baller Within, because obviously, while I'm going through this recruiting process, and I remember, before I wrote Awaken the Baller Within, uh when I left the newspaper of the first job after I left out of, out of uh, college. I was the VP of a startup company called College Ball or bus and the Athletes Connection, where we help young men get scholarships to go uh, play football. Okay. So that's where I met John G. Alfre. That's where I met a lot of Andre Dean and, and Andrew Luck and a lot of those guys. Uh-huh. I met them during that process, and I just kept that going on. And, of course, once I started doing the stuff with Scout and Fox, I was involved with them on another level. And so I was learning the recruiting process because I'm connecting with college coaches. I'm connecting with high school coaches and mm-hmm. I'm also connecting with athletes. Yeah. So I sort of put all of that together. Mind you, at the same time, I'm having a total mental meltdown and spiritual <laughs> meltdown. So I, 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 I found the Lord somewhere within there. And I was just like, hey, can I, can I put all this into one big pot and, and yeah. do something with it? And I was like, is there anyone who does this? And I remember searching the web and there was one guy I found. His name was Dave Austin and he started a program called extreme focus, which you'll see behind me, the certified coach uh, plaque that I got when I was going down to San Diego and I did the mental performance coaching with him and you know, the be a beast and all these different things where, you know, you're doing the visualizations and, you know, leaning into, you know, a deep meditative type of state to get yourself ready for these things. I learned all those things. And of course, you know, the the extreme focus certification made it to where I can go on my own because remember I've developed relationships with these coaches and these players and these parents Mm -hmm. because I led with an ethical pen. And what I mean by that is, is when you deal in sports media, well, any media, but sports media, especially when it comes to recruiting, it's a lot of hearsay. It's a lot of gossip. Mm -hmm. And I chose to not go the gossip route. Yeah, I chose to, try to look and get actual sources and if someone told me something off the record i stood by that and a lot of people you know you can you know you can blow the doors off of some things when you take off the record information and put it out there because obviously that makes you a rock star right but it also makes you unethical yeah so it's like are you willing to sacrifice that and i gladly i um I'll shamelessly plug uh, a couple of guys, Uh, Alex Carrillo and uh, Gary Mayer. Uh, Alice Carrillo was in high school and Gary Mayer was my college professor. They they taught me the ethics of journalism. And I probably have left hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table by not taking off the record information and just putting it out there to the public. Mm -hmm. And I, I think between those two men and my fathers, I just never wanted to I never wanted my success to be at the expense of someone else's demise. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and and so that, that, that was what I went into my coaching with. I went into my coaching was just like, I want to do my best because I want this young man and his family to have success. I have a client right now. I've, I've helped send all three of his kids to college, probably six, $700,000 right, worth of savings because they went to major universities. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking air force Academy. Houston Baptist, those schools are, wow. you know, like 375, 275,000 each, wow. you know, and, and I love that family. And, and it's like, whereas, you know, they, they took care of me financially and it, it, it's like, it's, the money is a factor, but it's like the fact that these young men are going and doing great and amazing things and building families, starting businesses and things of that nature. I've always felt like there was something bigger than just signing a contract and cutting a check mm. and and I've wanted to take my life and lead with that first. And again, sometimes that means you leave some money on the table, right? But I just feel like there's something bigger there. Yeah. So that's always been the philosophy I've used with my coaching program. And I've, I, I've, I've been able to use the, you know, the, the different, the different strategies from the standpoint of laying out all the information and trying to find out a, you know, where are you trying to go? And we take that big, gigantic, that dream we talked about before. And it's like, we start breaking it into like five, 10 parts. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, okay, where do we need to go for this? Where do we need to go for this? Hey, you want to do this? Get rid of this. Okay. No more of this, right? Let's get this out of here. You know? And I, and of course, now I do that with young people all over the place, but that's, that's, that's what we, that's what we're doing. And of course it started with athletics, but then again, football is a metaphor for life it translated over into mental performance coaching for now young adults and other people, because it's the same guys. It it really is. Whether you play ball or not, you know, even if you do play ball, what you're done playing by like what, between 35, 32 to 35, you're still Mm -hmm. a young man. So what are you going to do with the other 70 years of your life? Right. And so, that's where the mental performance coaching really, really helped out. And, you know, taking the same awakening the baller within principles and just bringing those into life and just laying out the plan. And, you know, we got different levels to this. I'm actually about to meet with a young man at the end of this week who's coming in after his first year of college and like, Hey, what are we going to do with life? He's going through an internship program with a colleague of mine. And so we're going to work through this life thing. They're going to take care of the business side. I'm going to take care of the mental and the financial side. And, because there's nothing i want i want men to be useful yeah i want young men to be useful like more than anything like i I don't want you living off of anything but your own labor Mm. and i know that's a little taboo to say in 2023 and i don't care because the bottom line is that we need productive human beings right and men have to be productive like there's no there's no there's no way we cannot be productive and so i want young men to lean in on that while they're you know Society is telling them to go YOLO and do what makes you feel good. No, do what works, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so a lot of that goes into my coaching program and I, and I, and I love leaning in on it.
0: Yeah. And you really focus a lot, you know, I feel like your whole life, really, at least the story that I, I know is has really been spent around young adults, you know, through the recruiting, you know, you're working with high school slash college age um, students at that point. And even and even today with your coaching program. So like, you know, where did where did that come from? Was there a particular reason that you've kind of always had that heart and focus for young adults, or did it just kind of happen? Like what's what's the story with with all of that?
1: Well, obviously the first book, Awakening the Baller Within, I was doing, you know, like I said, I was covering news on one end and I was covering sports on another. And obviously sports is where, you know. I was able to buy a house because of sports, mm-hmm. and and I started, you know, as I started speaking more with the books, other people, other organizations was coming to bring me in, small businesses, uh, media organizations, mm-hmm. nonprofits. Um, that's where the MD Anderson, Boys and Girls Club, Salvation Army, um, Houston Community College, and all these different places was coming in, and I was I was speaking on many different platforms, obviously focusing a lot on motivation. But I, I started noticing as I was, you know, your career starts to kind of spin around and you're being pulled into money in a money different directions. But, you know, you're supposed to bring some focus to that. And, you know, sometimes when a lot of opportunities are coming in, you lose a little bit of focus along the way. And then I think about five years ago, I sat back and I was like, wait a minute. Where am I going? <laughs> you know, yeah. like where? like, what's, you know, what's your target audience? What's your, what's your who's your target demo? Yeah. And, I, and I'm looking at all of my clients and I was started, I was like, OK, you got sports, nonprofits, churches, all these different places. And, and I realized that 75 percent of what I was doing is people wanted me to work with their young adults or work with teens, mm. work in colleges, work in schools. And I was like, OK. And then, of course, when the ministry aspect came into it, I was like, all right. I get it now. That's my calling.
0: Yeah. Yes, I still yeah.
1: do stuff with corporations. I still do stuff with adults or whatever, but my calling is to build the sturdy bridge to future generations, hmm. right? That's what I'm called to do, and so that, that yearning came from that. I think a, a part of me wishes I had kind of that buffer, right? I have two fathers, uh, and they were good to me, right? But it's like I wanted that not quite maybe somebody late 20s early 30s like that go between like a like a like a almost like a mentor Mm -hmm. who's not your dad but you see him as a dad but he's not as old as your dad yeah and he's not he's he's not as direct as your dad when it comes to certain things like certain things you didn't want to take to your dad yeah especially when you're coming into that late late teens early 20s still in college you want that older man Mm -hmm. but who's not like you know grandfather age or your father's age yeah and so yeah. i i want to be that for for the youngsters that's 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 what that's where my calling comes from And to build that bridge to the next generation because if we don't build a bridge to future generations we don't have a future
0: yeah,
1: yeah. and i and I, I i'd like to think that i've put some planks on some bridges for some young people to where we can leave the world a little bit better than when we came in
0: mm-hmm. And it, it really is so needed, um, especially for younger men. They need examples in the world who will be that that solid example to show them what it is to be a man, you know, to work, to provide, to have that work ethic, to have that mentality, that character, all of those things. It is so needed um, in the world today. And I know um, one thing that you've, you've mentioned many times, but I, I know as well, is that you are unashamedly a man of faith. Obviously, you've you fought your spiritual battles, your ups and downs, as we all have. But how has your faith fueled the work that you do today?
1: My faith has been the driving factor every morning when I awaken. Um, I live by three words, gratitude, service, and impact. And I feel like if every action and decision I make is based on those then I'm living a pretty good life. I'm Mm -hmm. doing the right things. And my faith has been tested so much and I've crashed so much trying to do things on my own to where it's just like, now I just go to God and just be like, um, you made me and you know, I have no clue what I'm doing. (laughs) so i'm not leaning on my own understanding i'm leaning on your strength your wisdom your guidance here like i'll start moving but as soon as i start going in a direction that's not right by all means i'm gonna have faith that you're gonna that you're gonna land me in in the the right spot Mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna have a a a noah type faith you know (laughs) a moses type faith a jonah type faith where you just like (laughs) i have no clue i have no clue how i'm in this predicament but some kind of way you make this work yeah Right. And so, obviously, my faith is strengthened. Um, During COVID, I left the church I'd been at for right around 10 years. uh, And I built a team ministry over there with another gentleman. And um, COVID revealed a lot about a lot of things in society. And I was put in a predicament um, where my values were challenged Mm. and, and, and put right in front of me. And as much as I loved everything that was built there, um, this was one of the first times I had to really stand up and say, you know what? I'm not bending here. I'm not going to compromise here. I, I can't. I-, I can't. I love every single one of you in this room. I love many members of this organization. I love people in this church. But I know I no longer belong here. Wow. I must go. I must go. And I remember reaching out to all the parents of the teens and I was just like, you know, tell them I love them. I'm still their, still their, still their leader. I'm still their uncle, still their Theo. I'm still all these things for them. Right. Yeah. And I'm always going to be there for them for the rest of their lives. They can always reach out to me. I just can't do this here. Yeah. And so when I moved over to my other church, this just hardcore old Testament, just you know no compromise like yeah. this was one of the churches where they were like hey you know you need to shut down and the pastor was just like you want to come shut us down you show up here mm-hmm. and they did and yeah. so yeah and so I, I i was able to do in-person church join the ministry over there and it's it's been just a whirlwind of just you know ministry on a much deeper level mm-hmm. you know it's absolutely transforming you know mission trips youth <laughs> conferences all those things, and it's just—it's just taking me through a place where it's just like, you know, when you say created me a new heart, like it has like just tore me open and cleansed me from the inside out, and and the work is still being done. Yeah. But my faith has deepened probably more in the last two and a half years than it has in the last decade. Wow. So we're going through a what do they call a radical a radical faith transformation going on right now and it's been good it's not been easy yeah um but thankfully i have great and amazing people around me man like i, I can't even i can't say it enough i can't say as much as i can about the fact of the the need of community the need of godly righteous people around you to just pour into you yeah. you know whether it's good bad or indifferent like they're there for you like i always tell people i was like you know and so many times we run away when things are getting rough mm-hmm. instead of running to you know a, a a hospital of sorts where there's people who love you. Yeah. When you're when you're part of a community, the community doesn't let its people fail.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, they, they come and pick you up. Yeah. And you know, you, you walk into there and just be like, hey y'all, I don't even know what's wrong. I'm just a mess. And I I I need I need something. It's just like boom, there's 20 hands on you immediately, boom, and you're and you're recharged. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. And so seeing all these things happen in real time, how so much has been revealed to me has strengthened my faith so much more than it did when I first got into this. But then again, that's part of it, right? It is. We're not supposed to have this figured out. And we never arrive, we just continue to grow. And 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 thankfully, I'm at a place where growth has just been exponential. And 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 they poured into me on uh, in so many levels. The man you see on this show right now is not is 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 there because of the the contributions of those people whom I'm around on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah. Have you ever found it difficult to be open about your faith? You know, especially in the the industry that you work in, the work that you do. Have you ever found that to be difficult?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and. It's funny because my newest book is the first time I've openly quoted scripture Mm. and just leaned in because, because I was brought up on the idea, not from my parents, but just professionally that like, you know, your ministry and your spiritual side is over here and the business side is over here and you don't merge the two. You don't hide from either of them, but you don't, Lead, lead, or lead in on those things. Sure. And I think somewhere midway through COVID, I just something just happened to me where I was just like, "It's enough. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm I'm done." Like you know, even on my social media, my social media is mainly for business and promotional purposes. And I was like, you know, I never hid from being a believer, but I never really just like, boom, just shoved it out there either. Right. And now it's like, like people have seen a transformation in me where it's just like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. like. You're you you just putting it out there, you're putting scriptures on there, you're you're showing yourself praying, like you're doing like you're doing all of these things. It's like, yeah, like I'm it's almost like you get tired of trying to not just put not not just lean in and and do what God is calling you to do. Yeah. And I think that that, that might have been somewhat of a hindrance. And and obviously it, it comes with a cost too, because you know, people come in and say, Hey, I you know, you keep that Bible stuff away from there, but it's like, you know. When I work with some organizations now, I, I, I don't be forceful with them. But sure. when, someone, when someone calls me in and they don't specifically say certain things, like I've had organizations come to me and be like, hey, we got a whole lot of discipline problems. You know, can you come in and fix this? I'm like, yep, I'm doing it my way. And so I, you know, I'll put together exercises and the kids will start doing them. And it's just like, hey, you know, what's the four most important things in your life? And some of them putting God and Jesus on there. And I'm just like, that's a great, that's a great option. That is beautiful. And it's like, I don't have, in fact, like, oh, well, that's good. And just kind of stay away from it. No, yeah. no, we're leaning in because the door is open. And yeah. until you come up with a better solution than honor your father and mother, we're doing it this way. We're mm-hmm. doing this my way.
0: Yeah.
1: You have to come in here and literally say, I forbid you from doing that. Yeah. And then it's a whole nother conversation. But up to this point. When I've leaned in on it, it's it's interesting how the, these door, these new doors and these new opportunities just open because sometimes all you have to do is step into it, yeah. and you realize the person on the other side has been yearning for it and was just waiting for that opportunity. They've been wanting to be delivered. I've seen that in my fitness classes. I've seen that in some of my nonprofit works. I've seen that just at the grocery store, man, like just. People like this woman came up to me recently after a fitness class. And she was just like, I'm so glad a man of God is teaching the class. I didn't quote any scriptures. Mm. I didn't say, I didn't say anything even remotely biblical. It just was the wow. fact that I opened it and was just like, Hey, if there's some struggles going on with some of you in, in here, come see me after class. We have resources available. I didn't say what they were. It could have mm. been a whole bunch of copies of think and grow rich right it could have been it could have been it could have been anything it could have been a self-help book yeah no it was just i just said resources i didn't specify what the resources was Uh but she said that to me without me saying that Mm. now tell me if that's not something bigger this outside of our control and that's what faith is built on those types of things like i'm going to give you just a a piece of my power and show you what happens when when you lead Mm. when you're Heart leads in this way when service is on your mind first. And I think that's that's sort of where I'm I'm it's almost like you know, they they say, you know, I have the childlike. It's like I was like it's like I'm a kid, I'm like, oh, this is cool, you know, and it's like you're leaning in onto it a little bit more. And I love it, man. And it's 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 been a great journey. And I feel like I'm <laughs> like we're just getting started.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. And you know, um, as believers. Our faith is such a huge part of who we are. And you know, at the beginning you were talking about trying to keep the two worlds separate, business and and your faith. But man, when you when you are a believer, that faith is such a huge part of who you are. And as you said, if you will combine those two, and you don't always have to be super, you know, blunt about it and super whatever about it, but there will be opportunities that come up to allow you to introduce, even even in situations where, you know, you may not have normally brought it up, but the Lord will just open those doors for you to begin to minister to people. And sometimes they don't even realize what you're doing, but you're just, you're just doing it. But that's just, you know, that's just operating in that flow of allowing the Lord to open those doors and walking through it. So I love it. It's truly such a cool, just a cool thing to hear about what's going on. So um, well, before we uh, head off, because we're we're kind of getting close to the end of time here, but do you have any closing remarks that you might want to leave the listener with?
1: Yes. Um, build yourself a community. Get people around you who can empower you, love you, pray for you. Beyond the family you have in your home, obviously that's the foundation for everything. I'll never negate that, but you need a community, right? Whether it's at a church, community center, uh, around an activity, mm-hmm. you need people around you. This, I'm doing this on my own, is nonsense, right? It doesn't work. Yeah. And you event and find some humility in your life, right? You you, you need people around you. You need. A mentor, you need you know, a pastor or a minister. Like you need somebody who's gonna uh, hold you accountable at multiple levels. Like you need the mentor who probably helps you through a lot of things and and takes care of you from a goal standpoint. You write your goals down, you submit it to uh, a mentor, an accountability ally, and say, Okay, here's what I want to accomplish, hold me accountable for these. (laughs) Excuse me. And then you need a minister, pastor, deacon, someone who can hold you. Accountable from a moral standpoint, who Mm -hmm. can pray for you, who you can, you can, you can share some things. I've used the example like there's some things that you do in life, it's not illegal, but you you want to be able to throw somebody like, hey, this is what I'm considering doing. I don't think it's bad, but can I run this by you? Because some things aren't illegal, but they just it's just a bad look. Yeah, it's not really immoral. It's just it's just not cool. Mm. And you need you need to be able to have people around you who can. Check you and you can kind of rein those things in and be like, yeah, you might want to rethink that or like, how about you change this? You know, because you want someone who who can see it from a, from a, from an outside perspective and say, yeah, this this right here doesn't really represent you. This is this is not for you. You might not want to do this, and you want that yeah. kind of person. And then I think you need you know that patriarch, that 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 old school, you know, the grandfather, papa. I think you need that type of person in your life, someone mm-hmm. who's seen more life. You know, than you can ever imagine. Yeah. Just someone who's just been through it all. You know, been through the 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 the, the, the trials and the tribulations, and can just really just have that age old wisdom that we need. You know, that that good old school gentleman mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah. Really, just give to you. And I think those are three people. If I if I had to leave your your audience with somebody, I think that's a good starting point. To have a minimum of those three components in your life, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to, you know, hopefully you'll you'll join a a Bible based church or somewhere where you can have some community mm-hmm. where you can go and people like love you and they'll 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 look out for you, right? And you don't have to do life alone. Yeah, and you can just be in a place to be able to get help. But I would say the getting a community of good people around you um, is a good starting point uh, to getting things done
0: yeah absolutely get in a good community Amart, it has been so good to have you on with us before we hop off how can the listener connect with you and then just learn more about what you're doing
1: so amartitall.com a h m a r d v i t a l.com um it's uh that's the hub for everything it's got some resources there as well um booking information merch um some some resources and i'm i'm going to actually make your audience uh, and offer as well on our way out. But uh social media, um, Instagram and Facebook is our, our most, uh, the platform for use the most. We do have LinkedIn and YouTube uh, as well, but those are the primary two. It's just a model. There's no alias. There's no other, um, you know, acronym or anything you need to look for me under. Uh, we're all there. Uh, the books are available. Now what is available on 33 different uh, digital platforms? Uh, it's the newest book that's out. Definitely a good resource for those who are making major transitions uh, and definitely for young people as well who are going into college or coming out of college uh, to help them out with that. And and, and with that said, uh, when we start talking about teens and young adults, um, I'm pretty sure many in your audience have some young people in their life and some of them are are, are going through some rough times right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming out of this 2020 uh, deal. And I don't like to make excuses and put that out there, but there was uh, there was a lot of losses uh, on many levels and we're not just talking about like a death. we're talking about a death mentally, a death spiritually mm-hmm. and just and just a lot of youngsters losing hope and the numbers uh, of depression, anxiety, and suicidality is is, is very shocking and scaring. Mm-hmm. and uh, enough of us need to stand up and do something about it. And so I want to make this offer to your audience um, if um, they can go to my website. Um, and fill out the contact form, or they can go to info at com. That's the email address. And they put Catalyst for Change podcast in, in the subject line. Um, we will um, offer a 30 minute discovery call with your young people. Um, wow. Where, you know, get them on a path to where we can at least kind of clean up some of the mess that's going on mm-hmm. in their life, you know, listen to them, understand, and just get them on a pathway. And so, do a, so a 30 a minute discovery coaching call uh, make that available for them complimentary, uh, to be able to help these young people, because, um, if we don't have them, we we don't have a future. Yeah. And so let's, let's, let's get, let's get them on a path and see if we can make up for some of that time lost. We can't get the time back, but what we can do is make sure that this feeling they're having is not prolonged, uh, past mm-hmm. this year, past this month, past this week. Mm-hmm. And so let's, um, uh, let's work together and do that. And, uh, we want to make that offer to all your people. And, um, uh, I gladly want to be able to step into that place.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much for that and and for your investment today. Um, I'll definitely put all of that information in the show notes so it can be easily accessible um, for the listener. Um, so thank you again for being with us.
1: Man, thank you, Zach, for having me on. it's been it's been a great time and and hopefully there's been some valuable things to share with your um with your audience.
0: Absolutely. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Catalyst for Change Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders lead better. Um, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate, share with others, do all of that. It does help more than you know. And we'll see you again next week.